Hi, Gary Stone from Sharewell Systems here. Sure, you may be trading stocks, ETFs, CFDs, futures, or even cryptos and FX, but how do you invest the money that really counts, including your retirement savings? Do you do it yourself, or do you feel you lack the strategies and confidence and have instead entrusted your retirement to a managed fund or financial advisor? Or to somebody else to grow and protect your biggest investment? Go to sharewellsystems.com and download a case study that dissects a real money portfolio, which has achieved a return of double the ASX 200 accumulation index since January 2016. Sharewell Systems is proudly powering the spotty Your Call Hour right here on Ticker. Well, hello and welcome everyone to Australia's Hour of Investing Power. This is the show that's as great as you want it to be. It's Spotty Live in lockdown from Melbourne Town. And for the next 60 minutes, we're going to answer your questions live on air. So send them through right now. You can text us on 0480079089. And a quick message to uh, the two of you that called that number over the weekend. Unfortunately, Dexter doesn't answer back, though I suspect it was telemarketers rather than uh, spotty viewers. Uh, or you can email us, of course, question at spotty.com.au. Of course, you will see these details at the bottom of the screen throughout the show. But if you put them in your smartphone, it makes it much easier when you want to ask us a question that pops up to mind. So let's bring in today Chief's, uh, Chief Spotters. Uh, look, to be honest with you, I feel like I'm grabbing three rocking chairs and a bottle of whiskey as three old war horses sit down and reminisce talk about all the mistakes the young ones are making these days and how we'd fix things if we were in charge. So I'm going to start with General Simon Bond. G'day, Simon. How are you doing from Morgan's Financial? Hello. Good, thank you. Now, uh, Simon, uh, we are, you know, old battle axes at this and uh, it's all well and good that they look at your grey hair, but I think if we learn a little bit about your background and your investing style, they'd probably get a sense as to why you've been in this caper so long and uh, why I've got you on the show. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Simon? Oh gosh! Uh, no, as we, we say each show, we we tend to um, we tend to try in this business and save people from themselves. But that's becoming more and more of a challenge with the uh, so many different ways to trade stocks without getting advice or yeah. or, uh, or or gosh, take take so many different chances. It's not something that you and I did years ago, Elia. We used to look at fundamentals and. And, and charts and, and all various sorts of things. Now it's all just decided over the social media platforms and what's the next best yeah. thing. So it's for guys like us, it's been an interesting challenge to keep up, but I still would, would say that my, my primary role, uh, having grown up through the stock exchange and, and through traditional broken service firms is still to try and save people from themselves. And, and that's, that's what we attempt to do and, and uh, most of the time it works, but um, other times people just want to go and listen to the butcher down the road or the, the guy is giving them the tips on the footy field. And, and, and sadly, in a, as I said, in an environment where it's so easy to trade, yeah. uh, it, that's, that's going to cause a lot of people a lot of grief in markets like this. Yeah, can't help but feel a little bit nervous about what's happening. But then again, you know, if we uh, go to our next guest, uh, Commandant Frank Watkins from Pro Trader. Well, he'll just tell you it's just markets behaving normally, won't you? Frank, how are you doing? 
Yeah, really well, Elio. Thank you very much. Um, and thank you very much for uh, jumping on an hour earlier than you normally would out there out in WA being nine o'clock in the morning. You're smarter than the average bear, Frank, so I'll give you credit for that. But look, why don't you tell us a little bit? Why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and uh, the great software at ProTrader that you've uh, that you've built and managed over these uh, many years? Yeah, look, just briefly. First, uh, first trade during Poseidon boom, nineteen sixty nine. Last trade on Friday got stopped out. Uh, yep. So just following on from what Simon said, uh, I think Friday is a classic example of what we're up against. At the moment, one thing I learned on learned very early on was risk management, uh, stop losses, and you know, preservation of capital. That's the that's the first thing. But you go to a market on Friday, it opens down a bit, it rallies a bit. It's all fairly typical. Then someone in America tweets something about someone getting COVID and we drop 70 points in two seconds flat. <laughs> so it makes the risk management very difficult. And uh, also I think the lack of sophisticated investors or the influx of uneducated investors mm. is making life tough. Um, but to a degree, that sort of thing happens with every boom. It, it happened with lithium it happened with uranium it happened with uh, telcos so you just learn how to cope with it hope you can pass the message on to people who basically don't listen these days um, <laughs> it's all i look i've been addicted for i don't know 50 years or something and um i'm still very much addicted this is a great market but hugely volatile now you've got to be careful yeah, you certainly do. But, you know, I, I don't know. I'd sort of argue that the market's just behaving normally. There's always bouts of over-exuberism and over-pessimism. And yeah. I suppose it's only something that years of experience can deliver that can, you know, help you get across that. And, and the beautiful thing is too, Frank, and, uh, you know, uh, uh, people can go to your website uh, uh, where you've got a free trial at the moment for seven days. That's protradersoftware.com.au. Um, you can just uh, get access yeah. to... Frank's insights and, uh, you know, and leverage off that experience that Frank, that Simon and a little bit of myself, or at least the humor part, um, can, uh, can provide in order to just help guide you through this crazy time. Because it's a wonderful asset class if it's respected, but it can hurt you if it's treated unfairly. So there you go, folks. We're rocking back and forth on the porch now, all, all with our shotguns locked and loaded, keeping the young ones off our front lawn. And all we need now are your questions. So send them in right now now before we get started just a reminder of course that all the information in today's show is of a general nature only none of it takes into account your objectives financial situations or needs and therefore should you decide to act on any of the information you need to do so in light of your own personal circumstances yes past performance is no indicator of future performance of course and if you wish to discuss any of this content with anyone other than your significant other in life then you need to do so with an advisor that's licensed to do so uh, of which Simon is actually one of those. So you can contact him at Morgan's Financial um, if you wish to uh, uh, alleviate him of his services and how he can help you on that personal level. Um, also, our guests may very well hold interest in stocks that are discussed today. Most of the time we remember to tell you, 
but sometimes it does escape our mind in the heat of battle. Uh, feel free to contact us directly if you do wish to receive clarification as to what our positions are there. And for the next hour, Spotty is powered by our sponsors at ShareWell Systems. Now, since 1995, ShareWell Systems have helped investors protect and grow their share portfolio with a rules-based investing approach that gives them an edge over others. So if you wish to learn more about the team powering our spotlights uh, and how you too can be successful in this game called Investing Life, then please go to sharewealthsystems.com and be sure to read all the relevant information on screen before making any investment decision. Well, as we go to air, the market's on a tear. At the moment, the uh, XJO up 2.3%. Uh, this is definitely a green day. There is no other topic of the day to discuss. Gentlemen, we're going straight into it. Simon, I'm going to lead off with you on this one. Does the president contracting COVID-19 change anything at all? Now, when I say change anything, Simon, I mean, does it change markets? Is it changing sentiment? Is it changing the economic outlook? Whatever you want to insert after the word change, is it anything different on the back of the news that we picked up on Friday afternoon? I don't think that there's really any any tweet that Donald Trump puts out or any news flow that comes out from uh, the US presidential election campaign, who would know whether it's whether it's what's true and what what's what's fake and and I, I don't know if, if everybody had a chance to look at it, but just the sheer number of tweets that uh, that came on the back of that diagnosis and, and people saying, no, he, he, he didn't have it. <clears throat> it's all just, uh, that's yeah. fake news and he's doing it for sympathy. Other people, just disgraceful, disgusting people, even uh, people from the, uh, from, from the Democrat party itself put it saying, I hope he dies and... Uh, just, just awful, awful things that I think people should try and uh, and stay away from from uh, from the perspective of of markets because if 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 you don't understand risk and and my my view has always been that uh, uh, not just in investors but but so many investors have a fundamental misunderstanding of risk. You can see markets move four, five, six, seven, eight, nine thousand points on a tweet that can then be. Uh, that, that can be then taken back. Uh, sh sure, I, I think COVID changes everything for for, uh, for what happens, whether it's the uh, uh, the, the upcoming congressional, whether it's, it's talks about the stimulus package, whether it's uh, talks about whether there's going to be, uh, do we get through with the new Supreme Court nominee? Mm. Uh, some people are saying, do we delay the election? Does this mean that, that there's a there's hundred new questions since this diagnosis has happened, and uh, and, and frankly, I, I don't have the um, the intellectual capacity to to understand the answers to, to any of these, and I don't think anybody does. We're, we're just in such unknown territory, and every day we just move into some further uncharted uh, pool of, of, uh, of sort of new news and fake news, etc. Who knows what to believe anymore? Yeah, although I've got to be honest with you, Simon, I think the lack of intellect is actually something that would help you in this current environment at the moment, because uh, I dare su suggest anyone with any sense and sensibility is unable to make uh, any sense of what's going on. Now, so Frank, I mean, I'm going to lean on you here. I mean, Simon, myself, yourself, we've seen so many different things in the market. Inevitably, you know, the, the, the actors might change, but the plot remains the same. Whatever it is that drives sentiment and the like, it, it's unreal. But 
to see the sorts of swings and, and activity that we have that are intraday, so much of it on baseless items, it's not like we're talking about, you know, a multi-billion dollar company going broke or something like that. This is, you know, like the GFC, for example. Um, this is purely nothing but hearsay. So, I mean, this COVID diagnosis, does it change anything in your view in regards to markets? Is it reaffirming anything in your mind? What was your take over that noisy rubbish that occurred over the weekend? Because let's face it, if you're a trader or an investor in the markets, um, you were definitely paying attention to the news bulletins like Simon was over the weekend. Yeah, I did tune in a bit. Um, the reaction has been staggering, but that's social media. I had the pleasure of being around when Reagan, oh, uh, yeah. was, there was a, a, an assassination attempt on Reagan and there was a bit of a ripple. But uh, <laughs> this guy, Trump, it doesn't matter what he does, it is just the reaction to anything he does is extraordinary. The interesting thing to me is just how close this came to the actual election. We've only got a month to go. Everyone knew the market would be volatile. This just adds a whole new dimension to volatility. But I don't think it changes anything. Mm. If you have a look at um, Trump's presidency, the market right now, the Dow is uh, 9,200 points higher than when he took office. So Trump has been good for the market, like mm. it or not. Uh, so, you know, as soon as he gets sick, okay, it sends a ripple through our market. I mean, we reacted, but the Americans didn't. Mm. That's an interesting thing. So, to me, it's just more volatility uh, in the long term, no change. Yeah, I mean, for what it's worth, I think rather than the actual protagonist himself being uh, President Trump, I think it's more just that concept of potential uncertainty. And as we know, the market hates yeah. that. And we saw that when yeah. Trump was elected, of course, in Australia, markets tanked. As throughout our day, we learned that President Trump was likely to win. Of course, in the US, so when yeah. they opened, they had initially the same dip and then the market rallied much like it did over there on this recent news. You know, whoever it is, it doesn't matter. All the market wants to know is just some sort of certainty. And what I think has been most unusual with this whole latest environment outside of this diagnosis, I mean, everything leading up to, is this idea that, I mean, things are so uncertain globally at the moment, particularly um, in the US uh, and, you know, also in Europe. And yet the market seems to be ignoring that because there is one constant. And that is that central banks have come out and said, we will flood our governments with as much money as they need, and we will never call on the debt to pay that back. This, the amount of stimulus going on is the thing that's keeping markets in check and means that these short-term blips tend to recover as aggressive as they have. Now, until that changes, it's very difficult to suggest that there's going to be any protracted pullback in the near term because the Fed, the Fed just comes out or Governor Giggles Lowe comes out and says, look, don't worry, we'll look after you. You just go spend your money and we've got the budget, of course, um, tomorrow. So that'll uh, most likely reaffirm that view. And markets, as far as they're concerned, are basically only seeing, um, you know, asset values supported across the board. So, look, it's unprecedented times. They're unusual, but, um, you know, you can make some sort of sense of it. But obviously what occurs in the US is going to impact us over the coming weeks. Um, and that will all culminate, of course, 
in the presidential election. All right, then, gentlemen, it's time to go to our questions um, from our audience. Uh, and look, obviously, uh, there was a big event last week on Friday. Spotty wasn't on, but I do want to talk about it. It's a question from me, actually. Uh, it's about Mesoblast. The code is MSB for those playing along at home. Uh, has a product, Remis Stem Cell, um, which was uh, uh, muted or due to get the FDA tick of approval um, on the back of uh, the Board of Oncology, giving it uh, a nine to one vote at the board level. Everything was looking peachy. And then the FDA came out and said, no, we want you to do another round of testing uh, to test the efficacy also on adults, not just the children um, that the drug um, was focused on, which is a, a grafting drug, which helps you, you know, if you have a transplant or the like, unfortunately, the disease can occur, which is fatal. Um, and this drug actually helps with that. Now, the numbers look good from a child perspective, but adults are still yet to see those numbers. Anyway, it doesn't matter because the share price tanked some 30 odd percent. Um, on the back of that. And, and obviously the question now becomes with uh, MSB, with this next round of testing, was that price decline an opportunity <laughs> to get into this stock? So Simon, I'm gonna to go to you with this one first. MSB, is it a stock that's been on your radar or that your clients had been holding? Now, I have been watching this stock for a significant amount of time. And it was interesting. I got a call from a, um, from a fellow last Friday who, uh, who had bought the stock. Uh, he'd never been in the stock market before. Ah. He was probably, I'd say, he was about 24, 25 years old. It was his first investment. Uh, he had seen, he'd, he'd learned about it on some, uh, some chat site or, or, or some, uh, God knows where, where it was. And I explained to him that that from a first investment, I thought it was a fairly uh, risky thing to, and he'd bought the stock at the, at the, the price or at the higher price because he was expecting some good news from the FDA. And, and, and how do you second guess the FDA yeah. sitting uh, over, over in Brisbane or, or where, wherever he is at the time is just absolutely beyond me. Uh, he, he bought it at the, sort of the, the higher price and he said, well, what do I do now? And I said, well, I, I can't advise you on what to do. Why did you buy the stock? He said, yeah, oh, well, I thought, it, I thought it was going up. And I, I said, well, you, you have to have a, a, a better reason than buying a stock than I thought it was going up. Because if you have a look at this company, back in March, the stock was down to almost a dollar. It then roared away back up to $5.50. And you've just seen from that chart that you pointed out earlier that the, 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 the dips and the, the and the peaks along the way are something that would it would suggest to you that there's be ongoing volatility in this company and you really need to ask yourself well what are my reasons for investing in the stock market it's not a racetrack mm. and sadly people are thinking that they can go and buy these stocks and double or triple their money and then when they have have their money they then, then ask somebody who, who does have a view rather than just logging onto a computer. They say, well, what do I do now? And this is what we're continually seeing with this new brigade of investors. And, and, and sadly, there's so much more volatility that's being uh, put into these companies. So my advice would be ask yourself why you're investing in the business, go and learn about what the business does and do some research, go back to, go back to fundamentals and, and talk to somebody who understands what's going on. 
Yeah, sage advice. Now, of course, you understand, Frank, the reason why I brought this up is because us fundamentalists often cop a bit of a kicking when we're trying to find value and stocks are going up and we're saying, no, no, they're too expensive and they keep going up. Well, we finally had one that goes our way. So, uh, yay, pat on the back to us. <coughs> but, but in all seriousness, though, it happens in the share market where these sorts of situations occur. Not so much in regards to MSB, but happy for any views you got there. But when you see these big gap down events, uh, particularly when, you know, the numbers were looking strong, they were tracking up. I doubt there would have been many technical indicators around the world that weren't suggesting that this was um, something that was heading northeast. I mean, you didn't have to be a rocket science to figure that out. But obviously, this pullback's now happened. What sort of education do you provide members of ProTrader when it comes to seeing these sorts of events and how they should manage them? Is, is it simply a, a cut, the music's over, or is it a little bit more strategic than that? Okay, there's, there's a lot of issues here with MSB. The first thing I'd say is if you're going to trade it, and I've said this for months, uh, you trade it on the BHP basis, i.e. buy, hold, and pray. <laughs> if you um, if you really look at this, neither technical nor fundamental gave you any indication this was going to happen. So both camps uh, <coughs> are in trouble. They bought you know, up towards the highs. From a technical point of view, I'll point out that uh, without explaining why and without really knowing why, gaps in charts tend to get filled. Now, we had a, on the 24th of April, we had a high of $2.83, and then we gapped up uh, the next day. There was a, a big overnight rally. The, the low the next day was 366. It's a big gap. Lo and behold, uh, on Friday, the market had a low of 281. It filled that gap that was left back there in April. Now, the other things. Firstly, there is a bit of support at $3, and on Friday we closed at 3.19, had that low of 2.81. We closed a gap, we rallied. I think if we stay over $3, we're out of the woods. Mm. But there are further gaps down at um, about $2, and there's another gap uh, way back from early April down at $1.50, $1.60. So if, if you're in this stock, um, you know, I'd stay there, but I'd have stops below Friday's low at 281. If you're not in the stock, wait for some consolidation, wait for some buy signals, just sit back, wait. And I, even then, I don't know why you'd actually want to buy this. It's just yeah. too, too volatile, too risky. Well, obviously, binary outcome type stocks are always a bit of a challenge and Mesoblast is one of those. And look, the thing, the reason why there was that optimism was because the results were pretty solid and as well, there was that board meeting. So everyone took it as a fait complete. But of course, when you're talking biosciences, as Simon reminded us, you know, it can sometimes uh, go pear-shaped, which it has done here. Effectively, you've got two options if you're holding a Mesoblast. One is if you did take the trading perspective, that is, it was just going up, which is as reasonable a reason to buy a stock as anything else. 
um, if that's the reason. But if that was the reason why you bought and now this has happened, now the stock isn't going up. So obviously that has to be something you need to consider. If you bought it because you had conducted deep fundamental analysis and you believe in the long-term pro, uh, uh, you know, uh, efficacy of the product and what it does and also the other trials it's got, then unfortunately, whether you like it or not, as tough as it is, it's one of those moments that you do need to average down if you've done your research and you believe in the business. Um, you know, whether it, it does bottom here at $3 odd or mm. whether it does go lower. I mean, if you believe in the business and you've done your research, then you'll need to commit more because seriously, just getting back to where you were is not going to be the way that you uh, maximize your returns. And always ask yourself that question. If I was buying the stock today, how much would I buy, if at all? Now, if you said that, oh, no, I would take what my normal exposure is, then you top up to that. If you go, no, I wouldn't buy it at all today, then holding it is effectively the same decision. Because if you hold the stock, every day we make the decision to buy or sell. Just holding is exactly the same thing. It means effectively every day you're saying, I will buy this stock. So it's something you need to consider, particularly in and around uh, money management, which is such an important thing to do. Simon, I'm going to go to you this one. It's a stock that you helped to see the light on. It levels much lower uh, than where it is at the moment. It's been one of the screaming stocks on the ASX. It's 3DP Pointera. The question mm. comes from Gina, who sent it on email, a question at spotty.com.au. Uh, wants to know whether you're still comfortable yourself with this business, given it's had a bit of a retracement from its all-time <coughs> highs. And that's a 3DP for those of you playing along mm. at home. Well, <clears throat> this was a stock that now we talked about. We, we talked about it before. It was trading at four cents for about four years, and then a uh, a well-known tech investor comes along and plonks two point four dollars into the business, and, uh, and and it goes up essentially tenfold. So, uh, if who no one knows if <clears throat> pardon me when when a a situation like that is going to arise. If you look at the the business fundamentally and, and said, well, does this look like a business I should be buying? It would have been pretty hard, but I, I think that's the signal when somebody who's really smart comes along, who's obviously done a lot of their own work on it and says, well, I'm going to put some money into this, then then it jumps, it, it sits up on people's radars. Uh, yes, the stock has had a great performance. It's had a significant back, but what it's going to do now is it's, it's going to behave more uh, as far as the future share price direction on news flow. And as long as there's ongoing solid news flow coming through, that's when these stocks then move up to the next level. Uh, people tend to get bored with these things pretty quickly. So if there's a dearth of news, is two or three weeks uh, where, where there's nothing, no market releases, people just decide to move on to something else. And there's always something new to look at on, on one of the chat sites, I'm, I'm sure. But uh, this is a business that I believe in. I think it's going to do very, very well mm. in the States, and it's going to take time to uh, to prove up their to, to prove up their product and get more contracts. But uh, I do believe in what they're doing, and uh, and I'm going to be staying with it. No, excellent. Thank you very much, and I'm sure Gina appreciates that uh, view, Simon. Uh, I will go to you, Frank, in regards to this, and I'm going to double double into a question from Chris. Um, who's asking a little bit more about your method of investing, obviously doing a bit of research on your website and wanting to learn a little bit about what you offer there, Frank. Um, so let's talk about 3DP in the context of Darvis boxes, uh, which I know, uh, and anyone that looks on your website will be able to, to see, 
is one of the key elements of your overall trading strategy that you educate people on. Um, how does 3DP look from that Darvis box sort of, you know, breakout key support levels sort of perspective at the moment, given it has had that retracement? And just explain from an education sense how to use a Darvis box when it comes to analysing share price movement. Yeah, thanks for that. The difficulty with, uh, I mean, you asked me to explain Darvis. That, well, yeah, that in, a, in like 30 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a really broad question. Bottom line is Darvis only had a newspaper upon which to base his decisions. He waited for a stock to trade at or very close to its 12 month high. When volume came into that stock, he would buy it. Quite simple. So if we look at 3DP, uh, up until roughly 14th of July, uh, as Simon said, this thing was just totally sideways. Uh, it, it took off from you know, roughly the four or five cent level now to 47 cents. Given the mathematics of Darvis, I don't recollect seeing a Darvis box on this stock. The, the Darvis programming, any programmer will know it is, it is mathematics. There has to be absolute characteristics before something appears in a Darvis box. So I can't say, I'd, I'd love to, I'd love to, but I can't say that 3DP ever appeared in a Darvis box. Uh, that may also because I use a filter where uh, I, I really don't look for Darvis setups in stocks that are under 20 odd cents. So I, I just may have missed this one. No, that's all right. But look, yeah, and part of it is it needs to actually create that formation in order to create the upper and the bottom level of the box. Yeah. And 3DP, as you said, just went yeah. sideways and poop. Up it went, so a little bit hard to do it in that context, but maybe we can talk about it with another stock that comes up to attention in a moment. Uh, speaking of which, Simon, yeah. it's time for you to step up to the plate in regards to the See the Light section, which of course is a very popular part of this uh, program. A lot of people like to watch it. I just need to remind everyone before you give those two stocks, uh, though, Simon, that all of them are, uh, <coughs> you know, they're not generally designed to meet everyone's needs. You do need to toddle off and do your own research into them and then objectively assess whether they align with your investment objective and tolerance to risk. They're not automatic buys. So just a general reminder there. But Simon, what two stocks do you want to help us see the light on, please? Well, I was looking at two companies that I've been covering for, for a significant amount of time and they're both real businesses. One is, oh. um, is eight, the, the ASX code's APZ and the second code is INA. Now, they are, these are both businesses that have been uh, buying and investing in, uh, in in holiday camps, whether you'd call them the old caravan parks around the place. Uh, I think you're seeing a significant resurgence uh, on the back of COVID in, in people uh, having stay-at-home vacations. They're getting into their motor cars and they're going down to uh, uh, to parks and band villages and, and holiday destinations where they used to go, I think, as children themselves before they decided to go and uh, borrow a bunch of money and, and, and go skiing and spend $30,000 or $40,000 that they're <laughs> not going to be able to pay back for two or three years. But that's a whole other 
That's sorry, another but, story. <laughs> but but these are these are companies, these are very good Australian businesses that have got great management. I'm just having a look. They've actually got price earnings ratios of all things, and they, they both have yields. And you think to yourself, well, why the hell would anybody be looking at those sorts of businesses in in this sort of environment? Um, interestingly, throughout this this, this difficulty uh, of whether of the of the COVID We've actually seen both these companies continue to pay dividends, continue to say that business is very, very solid. And one would suggest that if you if you get on the phone at the moment uh, in Melbourne, for example, and try and get a booking in, uh, at, a, at a holiday destination in, in Byron Bay or, or maybe Queensland at some stage in the future, you're going to be paying double or triple what you were paying if you can get in. Yeah. Uh, so these holiday camps and and, and Caravan Park, uh, new calls to these guys and just ask them to say, look, how are your numbers? How are things going? And they say, oh, gee, it was tough before, but now we're, we're booked out and we can't fit anybody in. So I believe that both these businesses are going to have a very good solid summer, uh, Christmas, when people want to, to, to get back on the road. And if it's the Caravan Park down at Torquay or whether it's the, the, the big ones up uh, in, say, Marimbula or, or closer to, um, to Victoria, uh, I just think that life's going to be good for them and, uh, and they're going to be good investments from a fundamental point of view. Now, they're not going to double or triple. They're not going to go up tenfold, of course, but you're not going to lose your socks and you're going to get some income. And uh, what you were talking about before, a low interest rate environment, uh, certainly the, the central banks are going to continue to put money in, but I can't see interest rates in here going up for probably three to five years. So where do you where do you at least get some income in an asset that you can see, feel, hear, and touch, rather than uh, than punching on the US FDA saying, "Well, here's a good here's a good product or not." Yeah, the very true and sage words of advice again, Simon. So Ingenia Communities, uh, INA, as well as Aspen, APZ, are the mm. two stocks that we're seeing a lot on from Simon. Thank you. So just a reminder, folks, we're about halfway in. We're going to power through some stocks. Uh, uh, that we're done with our philosophical stuff. We'll definitely get on to more of the ticker codes in a moment, but just uh, send your questions through to uh, question at spotty.com.au or text us uh, 0480 If you can't answer your question today, we will answer it tomorrow. Also note, it's a shortened spotty week. Unfortunately, I can't do the Wednesday program, so it'll just be Monday, Tuesday. The following week, we will return to normal scheduling. Um, and also you can go to the website spotty.com.au to watch all the uh, past episodes and Yes, we're available on all the uh, podcast uh, channels as well. Uh, just also now, we're going to uh, continue with our exploration of the 16 traits of successful investing that our great supporters at ShareWealth Systems have made available to all viewers at Spotty. So today we're going to learn why when it comes to investing, we shouldn't have great expectations. Rather, we need to be neutral. Okay, so what does that mean? Well, now this may actually seem interesting because you know naturally when we buy stocks, we have an expectation that they're going to go up. But the reality is with investing is that often things don't work out to plan. And in fact, picking 100% of positive stocks or positive returns is just not realistic. So having great expectations actually can set us up for failure. And it introduces too many biases and preconceptions that lead us on to holding on to the losers for far too long. Rather, what we need to do is clear our mind of these expectations and be neutral and clinical when it comes to our investing. Now, 
what essentially this all means is that we have to make decisions when they need to be made, irrespective of what the individual price performance has done. And it is that which drives success in the long run. So go to this special website, which is www.16traits, that's 16traits.com, to learn why removing all expectations and having a neutral mindset are key when it comes to being successful in the long term. All right then, so let's go back to the markets and to see what they're doing at the moment. And the XJO continues uh, to power on, though it's a little off, but very much flat on where it was. So the pop is uh, definitely maintaining some pace, uh, which is uh, good to see. Let's get into some uh, questions though uh, right now. And uh, I do want to go to you, uh, Frank, if I uh, can, please. Um, there were two questions, uh, two stocks that wanted to be brought to, to our attention. One is Capital Health, the code is CAJ, and the next is Kin Mining, which is K-I-N. So maybe if we can start with Capital Health, the diagnostic business, code CAJ. What are the charts telling you there at the moment? And it was specifically directed at you, Frank, so we are only looking for a, a technical view. Okay, CAJ has been uh, doing a, a fairly typical chart pattern uh, since the COVID lows, just constant higher highs, higher lows. Currently, uh, you know, last traded uh, Friday at 24 cents. To my mind, there's a bit of resistance at 26, 26 and a half cents. Uh, a break of that level and I think CAJ looks pretty healthy. Mm. Uh, stops underneath Friday's low and see what happens. I am showing there's a dividend on that one, 4.17, yep, 100% franking. Uh, you may want to check that. I'm, I'm telling everyone at the moment to check any dividends. They are based on uh, uh, history mm -hmm. and uh, just see if you can detect whether they're going to continue with that divvy. The second one, KIN. Yeah, KIN, which is a little gold and... Uh... Uh, where are we? Yeah, Golden Base Metals Explorer, uh, predominantly out of WA, as uh, all the good ones are. Had a pretty big pop, but it's come back a bit, and I suggest that's probably why he's asking about it. Yeah, look, uh, KIN was a great buy on a break of 15. Mm. It struggled to get through and stay a uh, backed off with everything else on Friday, but... Technical indicators still look pretty comfortable. I like the fact there's under 700 million uh, on issue. Uh, to my mind, a break of 20, and there would be a bit more left in KIN. Okay, then, great. Thank you very much, Frank. Uh, Simon, another question uh, directed at you comes from our, one of our great regular spotties as well, Greg. Uh, wants to know about uh, AVA. Uh, please. Now, for those of you uh, playing along at home, and I'm just calling up what I did here, because I actually wrote about it recently, Simon, um, in uh, one of my recent uh, uh, bull articles, it's called. It's AVA Risk Group um, is their code, AVA. Um, involved in the you know, security sort of stuff at the moment, which is a bit of a, a hot buzzword at the moment, particularly with Tessa at TNT um, uh, and a number of other players out there at the moment. They've just struck up a new deal with the Indian government as well, which is now currently in train, and they're paying their maiden one cent dividend too. So from a fundamental side of things, yes, it's coming from a low base, but 
seems to be improving, but Greg wants to know if you're familiar with the business. Has it come across your radar at any point? Well, I just had a quick look at the chart, eight cents to four cents. That's a, that's a, a fairly, uh, fairly significant jump. Clearly they're doing things right on the contract business, but it's not a business that, uh, that I really know terribly much about. So I'd, okay. I'd defer back to you, um, Elio. You've, uh, you've obviously written about yeah, so you understand yeah. it significantly more. Yeah, no, and look, I don't think there's much else to add to that, Simon, that, um, you know, their, their contract momentum at the moment is really strong. And unlike some other participants in the space whereby the news flow is quite slow, the land grab in, in this area is actually intensifying at the minute. So whilst, you know, the contracts in of themselves don't necessarily look mind-bogglingly mind -bogglingly high, um, it's important that they're actually gaining traction at the moment, of which AVA is doing a, a good job there. It's a stock I hold. Um, it's done quite well. I've written about it, and I'm pretty optimistic about its prospects moving forward. Uh, to which I will go to you uh, on this one here, Frank, um, uh, with this uh, next question. Uh, it's, uh, where are we here? Paradigm, P-A-R. So the question came on Twitter from a person called Millennial Money. You'll love that one, Simon. Uh, Millennial Money has sent us this question. Uh, paradigm, P-A-R, which is an interesting play because it sort of dovetails into the whole sort of regenerative medicine slash mesoblast and, and all that sort of news. Now, I haven't kept abreast, and actually I probably should have before then, so I'm going to call it up right now in regards to what their um, price has done in recent times, particularly on the back of what happened with mesoblast the other day. Yeah, they did have a bit of a decline, but I mean, that was pretty much in broad with the market, but it seems to be holding its own today. So, Paradigm Biopharmaceuticals, Frank, are you familiar with the business, I suppose, from a chart perspective, if you looked at it? From a fundamental thing, I've always stayed out of it because it's always just felt too stretched. I can't marry up the market cap with the business. But from a chart perspective, what should Christopher be thinking now? Yeah, look, uh, again, peaks in February at around $4.50. The COVID low, uh, about 23rd of March, at $10.11. There was a good rally up to 24th of July at about $3.80. But from July, it then went down through to 25th of September at around $2.20. A little bit of a rally since, backed off a bit on Friday. Left a little gap a week or so ago. To my mind, this is still showing lower highs and lower lows. It may have changed a bit in the last week, but to my mind, right at the moment, $3 is a pretty big barrier. Friday's close, $2.66. If that consolidates a bit at the moment and then gets through that $3 level, I'd be reasonably happy to have a look at it. Okay, but... No uh, dividends that I can see. No. Uh, yeah, I mean, right at the moment, I'd just be saying, are there better things out there? But a break of $3 and there'll be a new leg upwards, I would think. Yeah, so, you know, it, look, I, I just can't bring myself at these levels to do it. I think there are more interesting sort of, uh, you know, stocks in the, uh, the biopharmaceutical yeah. space. But, um, look, you know, as with all these things, they can be binary, but these are a bit beyond that basic stage they, they've bought a, a drug that they're repurposing which <clears throat> tends to go okay but i don't know i just can't do it at these prices here i'm sorry 
uh, Chris, um, sorry, millennial money, um, but hopefully that does uh, help you there. Um, I'll go to you, Simon. Christopher's asked about Finios, FCL is their code. Now, it's specific, his question, because <coughs> what, what he's suggesting here, it's a company, well, for those that don't know, it has the back-end system for insurers and health companies, whereby, you know, it does a lot of that sort of menial back-end work, and they've achieved quite a bit of success, particularly in the U.S., and Christopher's coming from left field, because generally, most of the commentary when you hear about who wins the election or not is that Joe Biden's bad and Trump's good, or whatever it is, whether that's true or not, fake news, who knows? But he comes from this perspective of, oh, well, if Joe Biden does actually end up winning and therefore there's continued and renewed investment in healthcare and making it available to all, then surely that would be good for someone like Afinios, wouldn't it? Because um, that would have essentially mean that demand for their services should remain quite strong. Do you have a view in regards to FCL at all, Simon? Not really. There's, there's so many different companies. I would suggest that there's a lot more businesses in the United States that are going to see a significant uh, increase before uh, before smaller businesses like this. Uh, you may get lucky, of, of course. Uh, it's again, it's not a business that I know terribly much about. I'm just looking through some of their their news updates. Uh, they've got some very very good investors uh, in the company. Yeah. Uh, and some some really solid institutions. So it's it's a great business. It's it's uh, I think it's going to be driven a lot by by you know, contract wins and, and positive news. But uh, certainly looking at it uh, from here, it, it's it's a business that I should go and have a have a, a much more significant look at just on the basis of uh, uh, of the top shareholders there because they look like it, it looks like a very very solid opportunity. Yeah, based, based out of Ireland, this one here, Frank, um, yeah, but using the ASX to raise the capital, uh, as Sir Simon's alluded to, there are some pretty big backers here, but closely aligned to that health insurance sort of space. Um, do you have a view in regards to uh, an FCL, in regards to that price action? Because it has come back a little bit. Again, it seems to be uh, sort of uh, hitting that sort of support level. Uh, would you like to articulate where the key levels might be for young Christopher? Yeah, look, uh, support at four dollars fifty. The uh, Friday's close four sixty seven, uh, but I I have just as much resistance at around five dollars fifteen. Mm. So I'd I'd really like to see it stay sideways in that band for a while. Then if it breaks a new high, breaks through five fifteen five twenty, it would be due for the next leg up. And that leg, you, um, you know, if we have a look at the last leg from the COVID low of around 220 to recent highs at 560, uh, this this could be a, you know, could be boringly exciting. <laughs> if you you're not you're not going to get your thrills with uh, MSB or APT, but it could be a nice slow steady. Um, long-term burner. Which, you know, to be honest with you, I think it would be nice to uh, have those sorts of days back again. Uh, Simon, and a question from our Chris, uh, another Chris, it's definitely Chris Day today, um, wants to know whether you've heard of a company called National Tire and Wheel Limited. Code is mm. NTD for those playing at mm. home. Uh, it's mm. come up on one of his emails recently and he was wondering if it was a company that he should have a look at 
more closely. So are you familiar with the business and what sort of markers mm. should he be looking for? Well, I am familiar with the business. It's uh, interestingly, my view on not just this, but uh, ARB and some of the other companies, mm. the super cheap autos of this world yep. is uh, how much of uh, how much has ScoMo actually gone out and paid for new tyres for tradies utes and, yeah. and new equipment that he's been putting on it and registration, uh, uh, etc. Because these have recovered significantly from the March COVID lows and, and looking at NTD, it's, uh, it's around 70 cents at the moment. It got down to 20 cents uh, and it is having, it's had a really, really good recovery on the back of, uh, I, I think, a jobs, job keeper. Uh, led uh, spending push as the as, as I said the tradies and uh, and these guys have been able to afford to to go out and uh, and upgrade their, uh, their their cars or their utes or or, or whatever it, they're using as, uh, but looking at the statement that he put out I think it was on the thirtieth of September uh, they've put out a market update where they've said look it's just too challenging for us to be putting out a, uh, an earnings estimate, which I can understand. No one's, uh, no one's really quite comfortable with putting out an earnings estimate at the moment. You just don't know what's around the corner. But the, the, the thing that would worry me a little bit for, for the national tyres and wheels of this world is that now that JobKeeper uh, has fallen away and it's going to be more, more of a challenge for, uh, for people to, to, to garner those funds, does this mean that business such as this will um, will see a slowdown? I think the answer is, has got to be yes. Uh, I'm very upbeat uh, about the potential for some good news in tomorrow's budget. I think that uh, certainly the the, uh, the political requirements and the economic, not just the economic requirements, are going to see a very very big solid uh, swinging for the uh, for the fences budget. Uh, where they're going to be pulling out all stops to get people uh, employed. Uh, I, I commend some of the um, the new ideas where they're going to be paying half the uh, apprentice uh, wages. That's going to get some people uh, back into work. So uh, they, these apprentices, they're going to be looking for new youths. So there's going to be yeah. some new tyres coming there as well. But um, I would think looking at the market today, not just from the overseas news, is that there's an expectation that there's going to be some some really good incentives in the Australian budget to get our economy back up and moving again, and uh, I think that that will will add to the uh, to, to the impetus for these sorts of businesses over time. Also, okay, Frank, uh, just uh, quickly in regards to price action uh, here, uh, VR1 um, is the uh, the company code the. Uh, Exact name escapes me at the moment, which is uh, amazing because I do know the uh, business quite well. It's uh, Vection, uh, V-E-C-T-I-O-N, but uh, VR1. Uh, involved in 3Ds, um, augmented reality, virtual reality and the like, came out with an announcement today that they've joined the um, uh, Facebook uh, partner program with regards to delivering its technology um, online through that, through its CAD applications and a range of other things. It's a big news item. The share price has popped. Just that price action, uh, anything else to comment for uh, Sharina on this? Obviously, uh, good news, but not profitable, Simon. So it's not one of those stocks we traditionally look at. But uh, from a price action perspective, anything to look at there, Frank? 
Sorry, what was the code again, please, Elio? Yeah, VR1 was the uh, code. VR1. VR1? Uh, yep, that's right. Right, sorry. No, you're right. No. Um... V, v for Victor. Yeah, V for Victor. Okay. Sorry, yeah. Okay. Yeah. VR1. Oh, boy. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think you found wow. it. <laughs> <laughs> I look at charts like this and um, every time you look back and hindsight is just such a beautiful thing, there is an obvious buy signal. And, and to me, uh, breaking the six and a half cent level was a pretty good buy back on the 18th of September. After that, I just don't have a buy signal. Yeah. This could go to, you know, it, if it now goes sideways for a week or two, consolidates. But for me, there's no way I'd buy that at the moment uh, because I can only have a stop. The, the, the only stop I can logically place based on the chart is too far away, too much risk. Definitely not saying that it won't go further, but I just can't buy it. And it, I've got an extraordinarily tough strict set of rules which have kept me out of trouble for about 40 of my 50 years yeah <laughs> well then that means you get, yeah you're getting four out of five so you're absolutely flying in regards to that remember can't get it right 100 percent of the time yeah um yeah. look uh, and yeah obviously this oculus development's huge but there's a lot of work to go under the bridge but definitely sentiments group grab grab this one it's going quite strongly frank your two stocks to help us see the light on that when we the ones that do meet your rules, of course, that we are going to listen to quite attentively and then uh, toddle off and do our own research to determine whether they align with our own personal investment objectives and tolerance to risk. So what companies do you want to help us see the light on? Okay, every now and again, I look at a chart and uh, I just think, wow, that's hot. So the first one is OML, yep. which is O Media. Uh, normally when I'm trying to do this sort of thing, I'm, I'm trying to look for a precise place to buy. With this one, uh, right at the moment, I think you can just shut your eyes and buy it. It's breaking out. It's lower high, uh, sorry, lower lows, higher highs. There's a gap in the chart up at uh, $2.16, which I can see it being filled. We're currently $1.23. So, OML gets a big tick. Mm -hmm. The next one surprises me a bit. It surprises me, and I picked it. Um, <laughs> SGP. Yep. Uh, again, we're in dividend territory. I'm showing 6.21 with no franking, but just a beautiful chart. Uh, break of four dollars and. Um, uh, yeah, that again will be due for the next leg up. Uh, Friday closed $3.88. Actually, I think it's trading over $4 now. So we've broken through that resistance um, looking looking hot. So SGP, uh, Stockland, um, that's why they've got no franking because yeah. they're a property trust. And then you've got also um, Umedia, OML. Uh, the stocks that Frank yeah. wants to shine the light on. Uh, just quickly, with yeah. a, with one or two minutes to go, gentlemen, just to create some framing here, uh, 
a lot of the audience that watch Ticker, uh, the station that uh, we're lucky to have this program on, um, tend to be of the younger demographic. Um, of those that have, you know, possibly engaged with the market the first time or gone to the social media that we've talked about that does drive the market. So given both of your experiences over the many years and the like, if you can, in 30 seconds, and I'll start with you, Simon, on this one here, in 30 seconds, what bit of advice would you be giving someone now who is starting out on this investment journey, who has seen what they have seen, got to understand, they've experienced the market we've had over the last few months, so there's no hiding from it. But what words of advice would you give them from here on in when it comes to building a long-term portfolio that hopefully meets their needs into the future? When in 30 seconds or less, I'd say, these are markets where it's much easier to lose money than to make money. And you got, you're only gonna hear the success stories. You don't, you don't hear the, the, the ones where people have done their socks and everyone talk about the afterpays of this world and, and how well they've done. And uh, I don't understand it. Everybody's got afterpay. Everybody must be very wealthy at the moment, but you just need to exercise a significant degree of caution and do some homework, do some research and money is very very difficult to, um, uh, to to come by at the moment especially from a uh, if you're a working class guy or or just trying to scratch mm. out a living for your family so just be very very cautious and look at the risks as i continually say there's a fundamental misunderstanding of risk i have a guy who came to see me he works in the 7-eleven store and he wanted to become a currency trader you know there's, there's just some absolute madness out there and that's what we need to be we need to be counselling people not to do this because it's so easy to lose money. Frank, it's your turn. What sort of advice would you be giving someone who has experienced what they have in the last few weeks but, uh, uh, you know, needs to appreciate and understand moving forward? Auntie Mary told me when I was 15 years old, make haste slowly. The, uh, the other thing is just calculate your risk this market is designed to take the money from new people. Find a mentor, do something. Yeah, couldn't have said it better, uh, better myself. And uh, yeah, it's uh, unfortunately one of those environments where some people can get hurt. So we advise caution to everyone, but yes, enjoy the uh, sun while it's shining. Most definitely, you know, periods like this don't come around all the time. And that's the other lesson I'd like to throw in there. Don't think that you just wake up and make money automatically. It, there can be periods where the market does absolutely nothing. And then when it's doing nothing, you probably pick the wrong ones and they go down. So yeah, investing is a journey. It, it definitely is, uh, you know, make money without haste because uh, yeah, that's the way that the proven uh, people have done it in the past because yeah, we've had bursts you know, in the past, but what when it sticks, usually it's the tried and true methods that does that. Well, that's all we have time for. So uh, thanks very much to Simon Bonds from uh, Morgan Financial. Thanks very much for your contribution today. Thank you, Elia. And to you, Frank Watkins from ProTrader. Remember, protradersoftware.com.au to get a seven-day trial. Thank you for your participation today, Frank. Thank you very much. Enjoy the show. And tomorrow we have the Enigmatic El Presidente of the Professional Technical Analyst Association, David Hunt from the Profit Hunters Group, joining myself as I get back on the tools once again. Remember, it is a shortened week, so you'll need to, so you can send your questions in early. Hopefully we can squeeze them in uh, tomorrow's episode. Question at spotty.com.au or 0480 079 089.
Uh, and uh, remember, if there's an expert you'd like to see on the show, then please send me an email, question at spotty.com. Happy to consider that. Thanks again to our sponsor, ShareWealth Systems. 16trades.com is where you want to go to get that white paper. Thank you.